1: Free from debt, first-time investing, retirement planning, and so much more. We are the Biz 1440 KYCR Golden Valley. With SRN News, I'm Bob Agnew in Washington. Work requirements for federal food aid recipients have emerged as a final sticking point in negotiations over the looming debt crisis. Louisiana Congressman Garrett Graves is a Republican budget negotiator.
2: If you're really going to fall on the sword for that versus... Uh, actually negotiating something that changes the trajectory of the country for spending? I mean, that's crazy to me that we're even having this debate today. Are you willing to drop that? Work requirements? And leave? Not a chance. A Not mistake. happening.
1: Democrats are strenuously opposed to work requirements. White House spokesman Andrew Bates calling them cruel and senseless. Russia's military has struck a building containing psychology and veterinary clinics in the city of Dnipro in central Ukraine, killing two people and wounding more than 30. A Russian S-300 missile hit a damn- in the Karlivka district of Donetsk, that's posing a new threat for flooding. This is S R N News. Cable
0: news, noisy, out of touch, on repeat. Tired of all the lookalikes? So are we. Salem News Channel is here to change the game. Streaming twenty four seven, free on your TV, with the greatest collection of conservative voices. Home to Dinesh D'Souza, Andrew Wilkow, Brandon Tatum, and more. Like you, we say what's wrong and what's right, unfiltered and unapologetic. Salem News Channel, we're the answer to the mainstream media. Learn more at snc.tv.
3: We noticed we had a leak in our roof. Hey, I'm Brenda from Stillwater, Minnesota. We noticed some water staining in our ceiling by our chimney. This is our first time working with JTR Roofing. A close friend had recommended them and had a great experience. They ended up replacing our roof and performed the work on our chimney. I would recommend JTR Roofing because they were reliable, friendly, there were no hidden costs in their quotes, and the craftsmanship was outstanding. Not only did they do an outstanding job on our home, but also they support the community. They've had a good reputation in the 30 years that they've been in business, and just overall it was just a wonderful experience working with the company. I was absolutely satisfied with the work. Absolutely. We're thinking about having our windows replaced, and we will be calling JTR.
2: Go to JTRRoofingInc.com. That's JTRRoofingInc.com.
0: Charlie Kirk here. It is critical we keep AM radio in all cars and all trucks. More than 80 million Americans depend on AM radio for news, weather, and opinions. AM is also the backbone of the emergency alert system, keeping you advised of threatening weather conditions and amber alerts. Text AM to number 52886 tell congress that we need am radio in our cars again text am to number 52886 standard message and data rates may apply
4: portions of this program may have been pre-recorded
0: the views expressed on the following program do not
5: necessarily represent those of this station or its management
2: turn all the lights on and kill the noise The Biz 1440 presents the best two hours of economic news and commentary.
6: Let's just say I know a guy who knows a guy who knows another guy.
2: It's the King Banyan Show, your source for penetrating economic insight, razor-sharp analysis, and unflinching universal thought. The
0: process of getting inflation back down to 2% has a long way to go and is likely to be bumpy.
2: Everything you need to maintain clarity and stay ahead of the economic curve.
6: If you're going to fix complicated problems, you have to learn how to fix Problems first.
2: Now here's Professor King Banyan.
7: Wow! New intro. Took me completely by surprise. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure Spencer was uh, sworn to secrecy uh, to not tell me that that was coming. Uh, welcome, King Banyan Show. Mem- Happy Memorial Day weekend to you. Uh, glad, glad to be here. And uh, and please take the time on. Uh, on uh, Monday, and in fact, every day, you should you should honor those that have given the uh, the, the 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 largest sacrifice uh, for the country in which we live, which is still uh, the greatest country on earth. Um, I don't say too many political things on this particular program, but that's something that's just comes straight from the heart. Um, I, I, for those of you that uh, have ever heard me talk about. Uh, you know, immigration. Uh, I'm more pro-immigration than than many people, many conservative people really are. But that comes out of a, a sense of real gratitude for the the country they're here. And nobody loved this country more than my grandmother, who came to this country as as a refugee, and you know, and built a life for herself here. Uh, particularly after her husband dies, when she's got six kids at home, ranging from uh, twelve to one year old uh and had to make had to make something happen uh for herself at that moment and i just imagine what that would have been like had she stayed had she been able to stay in her own community uh, which she had escaped uh in from which she had escaped a genocide so i i feel i feel that uh, i feel a sense of gratitude uh, toward those who serve and and memorial day is meant for that for those who have passed away veterans day for those that are living but frankly it ought to be an everyday event 651-289-4477 the number to call with your questions and comments on this uh memorial day weekend uh here on the biz 1440 the focus of the week really in the economy was a string of reports that ended up saying the economy is stronger than we had thought. So I have two things that, are, that, that I am having to reconcile for myself. Uh, that we, One prediction which I think I've been correct on, and continue to believe I'm correct on, and one in which I have been in the last week or two beginning to waver. The part on which I think I'm correct is that is that, and it's so interesting that, that uh, the Salem team put together that intro and took a clip out of, uh, out of a Jay Powell statement talking about the, the path to 2% being bumpy. Well, it's not only bumpy. We're actually, based on the data this week, it doesn't even look like we are declining in inflation. By the measures that are used, some places, yes, you can, you can, you can find a statistic to say, look, inflation is coming down. Here, look at this statistic. But as I will tell you, um, there are all kinds of ways in which you can set up different kinds of moving averages or other kinds of filtering to sort of say, I'm going to take the noise out so I can see the overall trend of some time series in economics And think to yourself I'm seeing what the true trend is and those filters can change things quite a bit Um, that's one thing the other thing is uh, yesterday's yesterday's consumer uh, personal consumption expenditures personal income report was so strong um, in my mind it is sufficiently strong that I'm beginning to wonder whether or not the inflation that I saw happening by mid-year is actually going to come. And let me, let me be honest on, on how I'm going to score myself. If it would turn out that the recession started in July or August or September rather than March, April, April, May, June, I'd be okay with that and say, yeah, I'm right, because I said it would start middle of the year. So second quarter, third quarter is fine. Um, if it starts in the fourth quarter i 'm not going to beat myself up too much, but I got a forecast wrong if it turns out the recession doesn't start in twenty twenty three i'll just have to say that's that 's too far outside of the you know the uh the uh close enough for horseshoes kind of scoring that that I think is appropriate to forecasting because forecasting is a difficult thing it 's subject to errors and and, and random shocks that might push you around a bit. What has been what has been interesting to me, concerning to me, has been the strength of the consumer, which I've thought at some point would settle down. And that we would be reaching a place where we would have to say, we don't think the We don't think the economy is really uh, declining as much as we thought um, because we're not seeing the consumer pull back as I would have expected right about now. I would start to see the amount of excess savings that came out of the stimulus bills begin to run off. Not seeing that too much yet. Let's dig into that, that consumer report. A bit because I do think that 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 report is an important is very important to the story. Um, if you look at, um, let me, oh, that's not, that's not the screen I wanted. Excuse me a second. Um, I have to pull up the right screen. So personal income was up four tenths of percent on a nominal basis. Personal income was up four tenths of percent. Uh, disposable personal income, the same number, and personal consumption expenditures up eight-tenths of a percent. But remember, this is on a nominal, meaning not inflation-adjusted basis. If I adjust for the inflation that's there, disposable personal income did not rise in in April, but personal consumption expenditures rose half a percent. So how can you spend more but not have more income? You have to dig into those savings, and that digging into savings has continued to happen uh, over the last few over the last few months, and it's still but I still think, as I'm looking at the data that's out there, we don't have yet the right outcome to tell us that the money is running out. So I'm going to just be, and part of that's because because consumption has been kind of noisy too. So on a real basis, personal income the last three months, up two-tenths, up two-tenths, up nothing at all. Personal expenditures, personal consumption expenditures, down two-tenths percent, up not at all in March. And then up five-tenths on this first reading in April. These data get adjusted, okay, so there'll be a revision. Uh, There were some small revisions to the data uh, for February and March. That's in the rearview mirror. That's quarter one. That might make the, we just got the report on GDP, uh, our second estimate of GDP. That number uh, came in at 1.3% growth, a little bit higher than it had previously been reported Not too concerned about that. I will will talk about that report because I want to talk about the profit side of that report. Um, But the personal savings rate is at 4%, which is kind of like the pre-pandemic normal. So we're not seeing them dip down too, too fast. And that's why I say, could the, if we're going to avoid a recession, it's the consumer who's going to carry us through either by working and earning income that's seeing real wage growth, which in a tight labor market is certainly a plausible story to tell. I don't think the data support that right now, but it's plausible as a story. Or by them digging into their accumulated savings, their their household wealth to continue to support um, particularly discretionary uh, spending like travel or buying new appliances or or going to more shows something like that so I do keep my eye on how much activity is there at at movies Um, answer is not very much but to me movies now includes uh, how much money is being how much revenue is being collected how much how much uh, income is being supported uh for places like netflix and hulu i want to see what's happening with in entertainment more broadly than that but if if the consumer is going to move us past a recession if they're going to keep us out of a recession there's two paths to get there. One they that we see no increase in, in the unemployment rate. We see real wages rising at a rapid rate. That means high in that means inflation stays in this very high level. That's one way. The other way is you do see a rise in unemployment but consumption stays strong because people are drawing down some of that excess savings that's still out there. How much is left? It is unclear to me. Um, but I'm going to read you and actually post for you a little picture uh, during the break and then talk about that picture. If you follow us on Twitter, use that hashtag #PoundKBRs to do it. My handle at Banyan Show. We'll be back right after this here listening to The King Banyan Show on The Biz 1440.
1: From Glencoe to New Mexico, and Apple Valley to Napa Valley, we're where you are. This is Twin Cities Business Radio. Stream the biz 1440 at odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app. Call my office now. If we take you as a client, I guarantee we'll cancel your time share or you'll pay nothing.
5: Call for your free information kit. 800-626-5252. That's 800-626-5252.
4: 800-626-5252.
5: Officer Tatum here, it is critical we keep AM radio in all cars and all trucks. More than 80 million Americans depend on AM radio for news, weather, and opinions. AM is also the backbone of emergency alert systems, keeping you advised on threatening weather conditions and AMBER alerts. Text AM to the number 52886. Tell Congress that we need AM radio in our cars. Again, text AM to the number 52886. Standard message and data rates may apply.
4: Your traditional water softener wastes water as if you ran a full washer for just a pair of socks. Commerce wet technology softeners will save you water and salt. Save $400 when you trade in your old salt hog to Commerce Water. Go to Commerce.com.
7: Welcome back, King Banyan Show, the Biz fourteen forty. Thank you for listening to us today on a Memorial Day weekend, and and we're talking about uh, well, what do we always do here? We I just tweeted to, tweeted a graph, and Pound KBRS just to or just tell you to click the graph. The graph is, of course, from the uh, awesome uh, Fred uh, database at the St. Louis Federal Reserve, um, which is. A daily tool in my toolkit. Um, it's sort of like it's sort of like being a plumber going to work without a wrench. If I go to work and don't have access to Fred, I'm less effective. Um, one of the things I wanted to point out about this report, before I get to the graph that I sent, one more thing to point out. In the list of things that we look at to determine whether or not an economy is expanding or contracting. You'll hear uh, many economic and finance commentators talk about the index of leading economic indicators. Many fewer look at the the index of coincident economic indicators. Coincident means coincident to the peaks and troughs of the business cycle. So these are the measures, like employment, payroll employment, the number which we will get on Friday of this coming week. And just to let you know, I plan to, I'm not going to be in my, I'm not going to be here on campus on Saturday next week, uh, but I'm going to record you a show based on that data that we're going to get on Friday. Because I think we will now be at the point where we're going to have two of the three things that drive the decision about whether or not interest rates will continue to rise from from the Federal Reserve, which is another part of the story I'm telling you this weekend. Right. So part one has been the economy appears stronger than I than the economy appears not to be slowing down at the rate I expected. One of the one of the ways I say I look at this is to look at the four components of of the coincident indicators index, which, again, is not tracked very much. The conference board publishes it every month, but it never it's. Next to never in the news, and when it's in the news, it's usually like graph eight or something like that. Here are the data, though, that that are in there. So there's a line item usually in the personal income and consumption report from the Bureau of Economic Analysis that I look at that's titled Personal Income Excluding Current Transfer Receipts. And it's in real dollars, so it's inflation-adjusted dollars. And that number had declined three months in a row between September and December of 22, which gave me a little bit of heartburn about whether or not the recession had started. It then went kind of sideways for January and February, but for March and April, it's actually gone up back to being above where it was in September of 22. That is um, that is a bit of a bit of a surprise to me. Okay, that part is a bit of a surprise because well, what it means to me then is that is that it would be harder for the National Bureau for Economic Research, who is going to try to set a date on the recession, to actually put that date back at the end of 2022 because you now have two you now have two months up and like after this troughing around 40, 14.6 trillion uh, it's now at 14.66 trillion versus 14.60 14.61 it's now at 14.66 and and that's pr- probably enough to talk the talk the NBER business cycle dating committee from setting that date too far back that doesn't mean that 14.661 might be might be the actual peak. It's possible, but now it makes it more likely that what this probably also means is that the National Bureau for Economic Research is probably not going to announce a date anytime in 2023. I doubt that they're going to announce the date of the recession until sometime in the first half of 2024. Bad news, of course, uh, politically for the White House, but... But um this would be their normal this would be their normal uh, behavior. Let me turn to this graph though for you, which is which I've been showing people for a while i and I've just closed it, so I'm actually going to hop back on here uh, and and reopen my graph for myself so make sure that you see what I'm seeing. This is a stacked graph stacked area graph that looks at three components the Fed. For some reason, and I don't think I understand fully why they did it, but in in early 2020, and I think the decision was made pre-pandemic, but occurred during the during the depths of the pandemic and the in the in the period where we had had uh, stay-at-home orders and so forth, changed how they reported time deposits and how they reported savings deposits that constitute part of M2. They changed the numbers um, in a way that makes it hard for me to compare going back. But there was this large increase in savings that happened. So if I go tracing back to May of 2020, about the time that that the very first checks were beginning to arrive, savings deposits were in three different places. So, if you look at this graph, one of the numbers, the smallest of them, and it's the little strip of blue on the top, if you're looking at my graph, of for about half a trillion dollars, is small denomination time deposits. Those are certificates of deposit that are less than $100,000. The second one are retail money market funds. So if you go out and have a money market fund, including with, Another financial institution not necessarily a bank Um, that shows up there and it's running currently around 1.1 1.1 trillion back in may of 2020 the large chunk of that number that 12.3 trillion in other liquid deposits are savings accounts including and checking accounts that are with something other than a commercial bank so if you do business with a credit union or a savings bank or at, a, at SNL, anything other than a commercial bank—a bank that does does checking accounts for businesses—that's in that number. The largest share of household savings that is intended for spending shows up in that block. So if I add those together, the 12.3 plus the 1.1 plus the .5. I've got $13.8 trillion in those three categories that are savings accounts that you would expect are going to be available over some period of time for spending purposes. By the time I get to January of 22, that number has now accelerated. Small time deposits are now shrunk down to a minimum. Why? Because most banks were offering next to no interest on their time deposits, on their CDs. But you now are from, again, you were at like 13, I did the math, 13.8 over there. When I get to January of 22, I now get to a number that is closer to 14.8. So there's an extra trillion dollars in savings that has happened at that time that is sitting in accounts that are expect that are able to gather a little bit of interest but not but are still available in large part for spending if i then trace down all the way to the most recent information which is actually unfortunately only for march of 22 and i should make sure that i can't get anything more i can get the april number on there so let me get it on april Okay? If I go to April, I now see that those deposits have all dropped on the other liquid deposits, which again includes the bulk of household checking accounts. Again, just at the beginning of the pandemic, that's at twelve point three in January of twenty two, that's at 13 point, 13.6, even thirteen point seven in February. That's run off all the way down to eleven point four. Some of that money has been pulled into retail money market funds because they're paying a little bit more. About $600 billion of it's been pulled into small CDs. So some people are responding to the change in interest rates by putting their money into certificates of deposit with banks. I had this fascinating conversation with a local banker. I may have talked about this before, but it was really fascinating listening to how they are Strategizing, offering certificates of deposit to try to attract money into the bank because they actually want to lend. They think they have, they think they have investable uh, borrowers available to them, and they want to invest in them. And they need deposits to do that. And they and so they're trying to pull money into the bank, and they're offering north of four percent for that money. No, no such thing happened eighteen months ago. But that declined, so that again, going back all the way back in May of 2020, you had 13.8 billion or $1 trillion dollars, 13.8 trillion dollars, which had included some of the first chunk of the CARES money. Then you're at 14.8 in January of 22. That number is now down to t- about 12.9. If we thought that there was about two and a half trillion in excess savings that happened from the pandemic spending from the federal government that people saved that money I argue that there's probably less than half a trillion dollars left now the savings rate from the personal income statement actually rose by from running around three and three and a half percent in the second half of 2022 it's now in the low fours. This most recent number, four point one, but the revised numbers for, for February and March were four point three and four point five. I think then that that people are maybe getting a little cautious, holding back just a little bit, but also, but not too much. There are other people out there who are drawing down their savings. If you can't save, shoot, you can go to a, you can go to my friend's bank. And get four percent, five percent for a certificate of deposit that will mature in less than two years. You could go onto the onto the markets and get, and you know, get a ten year bond that's going to pay you three point eight percent if you want to lock your money up, but assure yourself a three point eight percent return. But short term rates right now are fairly attractive, and yet consumer spending continues to rise. That's interesting. It's unusual, and. I, what I have to do is I have to sort of figure out which way do I want to bet on this? Do I bet the spending runs out and recession happens? But which means that inflation is going to stay high or do I think people are just going to keep on are, that people are going to pull back on their spending they're going to pull back very soon and and therefore the economy is going to decline a lot more. That's, that's the part that's really interesting. Okay, I need to take a break here. When we come back Let's let's listen to what people are saying on the financial uh, uh, on the financial pieces. We'll get some we'll get some audio lent in here, including a really interesting six minute conversation with Neil Kashkari that I want to pull apart and examine. Uh, Neil Kashkari, of course, the chair the, the president of the Minneapolis Federal Reserve. We'll have him and more after that. This though, on the King Banyan Show on the Biz fourteen forty.
3: My mom's going to have a baby. She is. Will it be a boy? Or will it be a girl? We don't know yet, but we heard the heartbeat, and my dad said this is going to be someone very special. You mean like being a president? Or maybe a doctor.
5: This message brought to you by the National Police Association. To learn more about how to help law enforcement accomplish its goals, visit nationalpolice.org. Arby's
7: Welcome back, King Banging Show. The Biz, fourteen forty. Yeah, love that song. Here's what's here's what's fascinating about about the questions we're asking right now. So we think, or let's say I think, that the mar- market has badly had badly underestimated the likelihood that the Fed was going to increase increase rates. Uh, at the June meeting indeed if I look at if I look at the futures market as late as Wednesday the 10th of May so I'm talking to you on the 27th so 17 days ago the probability that was implied by Federal Reserve trading of the Fed increasing rates at the next meeting was 0.37% okay okay Virtually zero. The probability today, or at the close of the market yesterday, 64%. The market has completely turned over its expectations just in the last two weeks, two and a half weeks. I believe, and and even as, as late as the 19th, Okay, a week ago yesterday, the week before, that probability was at 17%. So it went from 17 to 64 in a week. It's really remarkable what people, how people are responding. Okay, and maybe, maybe to get at this most, um, Cameron Dawson, I, uh, she is, a, 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 I believe, a chief investment officer for New Edge Wealth was uh, responding to um, responding to someone who thinks that the economy is, is, is not doing well and had had this to say this was cut twelve Spencer.
3: And we're seeing it today where now there's over a 60% chance of a hike in June. Just a few weeks ago, that was zero. And so I don't think that the Fed is done, which means that there's still potential for upward pressure on interest rates. And right now we're in this suspension of disbelief where interest rates apparently do not matter for the equity market.
7: Right. We're, and and this, this is why they're talking about CNBC, because higher interest rates typically are bad for stocks. But the markets are not pricing in, not all of the markets are pricing in the possibility that the Fed's going to increase rates. Um, Loretta Mester was giving a talk yesterday and, and then appeared on, uh, appeared on CNBC with Steve Leisman and she was trying to tell people, okay, look, here's what we have to read right now. And she says this. This is cut 16.
6: The way I view it is I would like to get to a point in the funds rate where I feel that whatever the next move is and whenever that is, it's about equally weighted between an up move and a down move. And given the data that we've had so far, I don't think we're at that level yet.
7: Right. She's, now, Mester... If you took the spectrum of Fed governors and presidents, I believe they're now fully staffed, so they're at night. they they're at eighteen or nineteen. They might have one governor's governor's seat still open. But but I think they're at I think they're at night. I think they're either at eighteen or nineteen. If you rank them from the most hawkish, most anti inflation to the least anti inflation, Mester's either one or two. Okay? Bullard's the other one. Okay, they're they they probably belong at one or two up there. Uh, And and I I actually think sometimes they they call each other. What are you going to say today? I'm going to say this. What are you going to say today? Uh, But uh, but they are they are clearly trying to signal. She's clearly trying to signal she's not ready to be done yet. She does not have a vote on FOMC this year. Um, so she's just signaling to her colleagues, if it's up to me and remember, even though she doesn't have a vote, she participates in the meeting. She helps shape the, she helps shape the, um, uh, shape the FOMC statement and the statements that they make show up in the minutes. And so I want to encourage you just as I, just as I often do, I want to encourage you to, um, uh, to go ahead and look at uh, my Twitter feed uh, from a, from back about uh, three days ago, um, that um, that looked at uh, the minutes of the last meeting on the first week of May, um, and I think um, I think that the Fed at that time was leaning toward pause. And that right now what you're seeing is a crescendo of activity from what I think at the meeting was a minority view. So this is why I take it takes me to read the minutes of the meeting it takes me about takes me about 30 minutes to read. And I built you a I built a threaded conversation taking key quotes out of it. So if you follow my my Twitter handle at Banyan Show and you go back and read that. I have pulled out, I have pulled out about 10, I pulled 10, uh, 10 uh, quotes from that report. Um, Here's what they've been thinking. There was sympathy from a majority to pause in June, but not to pause indefinitely. So they were including, I think, uh, and so in the minutes is this sentence. Some stressed, uh, uh, okay, all emphasized the importance of communicating to the public, their data-dependent approach. Some stressed FOMC statement shouldn't be interpreted to signal either that decreases in target range are likely this year or that further increases had been ruled out. And I thought this was interesting because it, it actually has ended up, I think, in some sense confusing a person we frequently play on the show, Mohamed El-Aryan. He was, he was on Bloomberg uh, uh, surveillance on uh, on Thursday morning, and he had this to say, talking about how the Fed may have, may, is sort of boxing itself in. I don't, this is one of these very few cases where I find myself going, oh, I don't agree with this at all, but I want you to hear it, and I'll tell you why I disagree with it right after you hear it. This is Mohamed el Thursday on Bloomberg, cut 11.
6: As you know, is they should be recognizing that the monetary framework is not fit for purpose. They should be recognizing that the inflation target of 2% is the wrong inflation target. And they should be implicitly aiming for a high inflation target until the time comes when they have the credibility to change inflation target. That's what they should be doing. And if that's the case, they would not hike. But I think this Fed will hike Because it is overly data dependent and the data clearly, short term data clearly says hike, even though your measures, your policy measures have a lag in in terms of effects. And this is also a Fed that's so worried about its credibility that it's not going to be wanting to fall behind even more in the perception of people. And it doesn't have the confidence to stand up and say, look, we operate with a lag and we don't want another policy mistake.
7: And it's true, truthfully, they have, and it's been stated by more than one member of the FOMC, at some point they had they had thought <coughs> inflation was coming down and they thought they could wait or they could take it. But this was largely that early 2022 period. Once the Fed started the process of cutting back from the 75 basis point increase, People are viewing its decision-making as sluggish. And it's one of the reasons why I think they're going to go 25 is, once they pause, their ability to actually come back and restart the increases feels like it's going to be very, very hard. They would actually need something akin to a spike in inflation to give them the, the, the ability to raise it again. That's why I think the Fed is not, the Fed's concern about its credibility isn't over its past mistakes, but it's about its own inertia in changing the direction of policy. Uh, a, a hike, pause, hike strategy was very common back in the 90s but particularly in this post-2008 period, particularly in the period of forward guidance, this is not something that they can do. And so I disagree with, with uh, El-Aryan because I think his belief that monetary policy is not fit for purpose is because he believes part of the purpose of monetary policy is to keep the banking system stable. The Fed is saying we don't use monetary policy for for bank stability. We have a whole separate macroprudential regulatory policy st- framework that takes care of the bad banks. Does it work great? Not always, but it works okay. Um, that that has been the major that has been the major major distinction or split between folks like El Arian who keep a big footprint in the financial markets and folks like uh, Bernanke or not Bernanke uh, excuse me but Summers or Jason Furman who don't have the banking background and believe that the the believe in this dichotomy or this split I've got two sets of tools to use to influence two things I can fight anti-inflation I can fight inflation with my with my Fed funds rate I can take care of bank stability with my supervisory powers right and I have that split and frankly I will say Dodd-Frank reinforced that so they're, they're in that place. I just looked at the clock and realized I've gone on a bit. I need to take a break here. When I come back, I want to I play a little more for you about, uh, about some of the viewpoints that we're hearing, uh, including from what I think is a really sharp former Fed official, um, uh, Vincent Reinhart. We'll play him right after this. You're listening to The King Banging Show on The Biz, 1440.
6: Night, and I've been working like a dog.
1: The Biz 1440, KYCR Golden Valley.
4: 800-884-9018. It's all the traditions, the community pride, the culture of your hometown high school, plus all those memories that are on the line, too. What can you do? It's simple. Buy a ticket when you can. Go to a game. Take the whole family. Let's do everything we can to keep those cherished
7: school sports memories alive. This message presented by the Minnesota State High School League and the Minnesota Interscholastic Activities Administrators Association.
4: Hey, folks, Eric Metaxas here. It's critical we keep AM radio in all cars and trucks. More than 80 million Americans depend on AM radio for news, weather and opinions. AM is also the backbone of the emergency alert system, keeping you advised of threatening weather conditions and Amber alerts. Text AM to the number 52886. Tell Congress we need AM radio in our cars. Again, text AM to the number 52886. Standard message and data rates may apply.
1: The Ramsey Show. You're also supposed to enjoy money. Now, some of you that overspend out there, you spend like you're in Congress, you don't have any issue with this enjoying money thing. Enjoying money without overdoing it is a sign of maturity. The Ramsey Show, live every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4. From South St. Paul to Southeast Asia and Little Canada to regular-sized Canada. We're where you are. Listen to the Biz 1440 anytime, anywhere at odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app.
7: You want it? Welcome back, King Banging Show. The Biz 1440. You know, I wanted to point out there were more data out there than just um, than just the, that that uh, personal income report. Durable goods came in came in that was about a normal report it was down two-tenths of percent in in in, in, when you subtract out the impact of a of a sharp increase in automobiles and those those are such noise automobiles and airplanes and so forth those are noisy data so we frequently take those out to get them there I want to talk about the noisy data problem here in the next hour but otherwise uh, uh, the other thing I'd point out flash the flash purchasing managers index numbers for may from the stand, from standard and pours both came in much higher than expected and higher than the previous month so we now have had two months in a row where pmis are are where, where the purchasing manager indices are indicating that more companies are still expanding particularly on the services side there was an expectation of it to cool from fifty three point six to fifty two point six. It actually came in at fifty five point one. So that was a pretty big miss. On uh, even on manufacturing, where I argue manufacturing sector has been in recession for a while, um, came in uh, in April at fifty point two. The expectation was it for, for it to settle into an even fifty fifty, where fifty is the boundary between expansion and contraction it actually came in at 51 not not nearly as sharp but particularly on the services side it came in a fair fairly strong and this leads people uh to to sort of change their minds about um about how uh how the economy how the economy is doing and how the fed might react to it vincent Reinhart, who was it was an economist at the federal reserve um and um Just, in fact, I would argue one of the staff economists and and probably one of the better known ones and one with a great reputation was on Yahoo Finance talking about what the Fed needs to do. And he had these things to say. Let's face let's first play cut number one.
2: I think they lack introspection, uh, because once you skip a meeting, it becomes much harder to change the policy rate the next meeting. Think back just at the turn of this year, how much trouble they had adjusting the pace of firming. Uh, They cut the pace back a little bit too early, but then they couldn't adjust it because they had set this precedent. They're going to run into the same problem. If they stop, they stop.
7: I think that's right. I mean, and that's my base point. This is a guy that would sit in FOMC meetings. He would sit. He would sit in a chair against the wall. He wasn't at the table. Uh, uh, he was in a chair. But uh, nonetheless, he's sitting in listening to these meetings, and I think that's a pretty keen insight on on this. And so, and so, if they pause, they pause. Does he think they should pause? Play cut number two.
2: Absent distracting drama on the debt ceiling or banks. If the Fed gets a trifecta of strong data, the economy's active, economic activity has momentum, resources are stretched, and inflation, it continues to be stubborn, then they'll raise rates. So the debt ceiling matters for the next couple of weeks. From the Fed's perspective, if it's hanging out there, it's harder for them to act. If it goes away, then uh, they can F- focus more on what they really want to focus on, and that is the incoming economic data. I'm not sure what they're going to do at the next meeting. You read the minutes that were published yesterday, they're not sure either.
7: And that's the point. They're not sure. But I, there are people out giving hard signals about this, and I thought nobody was harder on this than than uh, Neil Kashkari. I'm going to play him, but I don't have time right now. We'll have to play him in the next in the next hour of uh, of the King Banyan show here so don't go away here on the biz 1440 but let me let me summarize this th- th- summarize what he's trying to say here's the trifecta we got the first element of it we got the last personal consumption data the personal consumption expenditure index which is their preferred measure we got that it came in stubborn at 4.6 or 4.7 has been for four consecutive months I don't know how you can tell me a story that inflation is falling. Yes, there's a way you can write you can write data in such a way that you could you could show up you could show it declining but it's not really there. The jobs report coming out this Friday will be the second piece of the tr of the trifector that Reinhardt's referring to. The third piece will be the CPI report, which will be out in about for May, which will be out in the middle of June and that will be the last one because they meet within a week of that CPI report and and that will be the last one and if it confirms for May what we saw in the April data I can't see how the Fed doesn't raise rates at the June meeting and I think that's what the what the markets are figuring out slowly but surely the Fed has managed and particularly the hawks on the Fed on the FOMC have managed to get across To the markets, we're not done yet. And I think not done yet means not done for June. We'll be back after this King Banyan show, Biz 1440.
0: Turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. It's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. The new Salem News Channel, the greatest collection of conservative minds, all in one place. Home to the people you trust. Dennis Prager, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Refreshingly, honest, always unfiltered. Streaming free on your TV 24-7. Intelligent analysis for intelligent people. Find what you're looking for at snc.tv. That's snc.tv.
1: Jim and I knew of Robbinsdale Women's Center, but didn't really know them until we toured. We were astonished by the amazing facilities and the genuine love and care the staff showed each woman that walked through the doors.
5: That tour began our partnership with Robbinsdale Women's Center. Cindy and I have witnessed RWC's fiscal stewardship of our financial gifts. Being on the board has allowed me to see the careful discernment and prayerful thought that goes into every decision at Robbinsdale Women's Center.
1: RWC receives no government funding and is debt free. RWC owns all their assets and is 100% donor-supported. We're amazed at the number of abortion-minded women they serve. Weekly, five women, initially at risk of aborting their pregnancies, instead choose life.
5: Join Cindy and I in supporting Robbinsdale Women's Center. Your gift will bring hope and life.
1: Go to rwcinfo.org and help more mothers choose life.
5: Let's make a difference. rwcinfo.org.
1: I always thought that tires would be more expensive at a dealership, but Invergrove Hyundai proved me wrong. Hi, it's Mike from Rosemont. I knew I needed a new set of tires before winter. My go-to is usually my warehouse club because, hey, they're a warehouse club, right? They have to have the best deal. I bought two cars at Invergrove Hyundai and they're great to work with, so I thought I'd just see what they had to offer. I told Tyler what I usually spend and asked if he had a good set of tires in that price range. He gave me a great quote, and it was a few bucks under my limit on a set of four tires. Plus, he got me in and out in an hour. If you need tires, skip the specialty shop and the warehouse clubs and give Invergrove Hyundai a call. Let them know what you need, and they'll take care of you like they did
4: for me. Invergrove Hyundai's service technicians are ready for you no matter what kind of vehicle you drive. Open 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. weekdays. Call them today or schedule your appointment at InvergroveHyundai.com. That's InvergroveHyundai.com.
1: Record-setting four-time Emmy Award winner Michelle Tafoya discusses politics and the state of our culture, free from mainstream media pressures. That means you'll find unhindered commentary and astute observations that bring greater depth to the topic at hand. Insight from subject matter experts and thought leaders round out the conversation. Watch the Michelle Tafoya podcast free on YouTube or stream via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Salem Podcast Network.